Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. My name is Kevin Rognes, and I'm the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. I'm really thankful that you would choose to spend some time with me today, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on any of the major podcasting platforms. I always encourage people to make sure they're subscribing to the podcast so that they're never missing out on any of the episodes that come out, and they come out on a weekly basis. I also just want to encourage people to send me emails about anything that you want us to cover. If there's a story you want to share, a question that you want us to dig into, um, I would love to have that kind of feedback. So if you have something for me, my email address is in the description section of this episode, and I would love to hear from you. So um, in the meantime, today I'm going to be sharing some insights from a book that I read recently about prayer. Um, it's a book that was given to me by my spiritual director, and it was something that has been really helping me to kind of re-jumpstart, re-renew um, my prayer life. And so that book is this book here by Mark Patters Batterson. It is called The Circle Maker, and it's a really, really great book. And um, The Circle Maker refers to an ancient Jewish legend um, that took place in the first century BC, so the hundred years prior to the life of Christ. So during that time in that first century, for a time around Jerusalem, there was a severe drought. It was really impacting people. Uh, famine was in the area. Livestock was being affected. It was a very, very serious problem, of course, to not have water not have rain. So um, this Jewish sage named Honi, he had been praying about it and praying about it for a long time. And then one day he kind of took his prayer life a step further. And he went outside in kind of full view of everyone. And he drew a big circle in the ground. And then he stood inside that circle. And he said, I am not leaving this circle. I'm going to stay in this circle and pray until God sends rain. So he does that. He draws the circle, stands in the circle, starts praying, and it starts to rain. And at first, and, and people are shocked because they're like, wow, we haven't had rain in so long. This is amazing. This is great. But at first, it's just kind of a gentle rain. It's not enough to really kind of alleviate the effects of the drought that they've been experiencing. And so Honey says something to the effect of, God, this is not what I'm praying for. I'm praying for rain that will fill cisterns and fill caves and fill pits so that we have water for a long time. So that's like his second prayer. The first prayer, he was just praying for rain at all, so it starts barely raining. Then he prays a second prayer like, God, no, we need a filling rain, a full rain. And so then it starts a torrential downpour and people are scrambling to get out of the way of flash floods. A lot of people go up to the temp Temple Mount to escape these flash floods that were happening. So then that's all happening, and then, you know, Honey gives that a moment, and then Honey says something, God, this is still not the rain that I prayed for. I prayed for a rain of blessing and provision. And that's when it starts just to settle into a easy, steady rain um, that is, you know, helping people to reclaim their uh, the water that they've been missing from the drought. So... Um, it's it's a major legend um, of kind of Jewish folklore um, and an amazing example of prayer and what happens when we pray. So 
that story then, that Jewish legend, becomes kind of the anchoring premise of this book by Mark Batterson. And it was a really, really rich read. I strongly encourage that you read this. Um, if you want to borrow my copy, you can, um, as long as you want to put up with my scribblings and underlinings throughout the book. Um, so in the meantime, I just want to share a few of the things that impacted me when I was reading it. Um, there was a lot of things throughout the book. Um, so I'm just going to kind of pick out three different passages that kind of stuck out to me and were meaningful to me. Um, the first passage that I'm going to look at deals with praying about um, the things that we're dreaming about. And I don't mean dreaming as in like the subconscious things that we're doing when we sleep. Um, I'm talking about like, oh, I have a dream that I want to do this with my life or do this or accomplish this. Um, I struggle with praying over those things in part because I've prayed over a lot of dreams that ended up not being God's will for me. And so I find it hard to trust my own prayers about what my dreams are because I just kind of... It, I'm, I'm really hard on myself, and so I tend to assume that um, the dreams that I have for my life may not be what God's dreaming for me. Um, but Batterson takes a very different approach, and he kind of argues that God is um, asking us to dream really big and to pray about those dreams. So I'm going to read a couple passages and give some comments on that. So uh, Mark Batterson writes, As we age, either imagination overtakes memory, or memory overtakes imagination. Imagination is the road less taken, but it is the pathway of prayer. Prayer and imagination are directly proportional. The more you pray, the bigger your imagination becomes because the Holy Spirit supersizes it with God-sized dreams. One litmus test of spiritual maturity is whether your dreams are getting bigger or smaller. The older you get, the more faith you should have because you've experienced more of God's faithfulness. And it is God's faithfulness that increases our faith and enlarges our dreams. I thought that that was really important to, to kind of think through. Um, you know, when we imagine the possibilities of what God can do, that enlarges our prayers. I thought that was such an interesting way of looking at it. And then later, uh, Mark Batterson writes, if you keep praying, you'll keep dreaming. And conversely, if you keep dreaming, you'll keep praying. Dreaming is a form of praying, and praying is a form of dreaming. The more you pray, the bigger your dreams will become. And the bigger your dreams become, the more you will have to pray. And in that process of drawing ever-enlarging prayer circles, as Honey the Circle Maker did, the sphere of God's glory is expanded. Skip a little bit here. Um, and then he kind of writes also about like what happens when we let a dream die, like a dream that we've been praying about, what happens when that dies. The death of a dream is often a subtle form of idolatry. We lose faith in the God who gave us the big dream and settle for a small dream that we can accomplish without his help. We go after dreams that don't require divine intervention. We go after dreams that don't require prayer. And the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all our right brain can imagine is supplanted by a God with a lowercase g 
who fits within the logical constraints of our left brain. Nothing, nothing honors God more than a big dream that is way beyond our ability to accomplish. Why? Because there's no way we can take credit for it. And nothing is better for our spiritual development than a big dream because it keeps us on our knees in raw dependence on God. Drawing prayer circles around our dreams isn't just a mechanism whereby we accomplish great things for God. It's a mechanism whereby God accomplishes great things in us. I love that. <laughs> I thought that that was so insightful and just really powerful, this idea of um, we need to dream big because then we realize how desperate we are for God, how much we need God to accomplish these amazing things that God has planned for us. Um, certainly, we do need to check our dreams against scripture and check to see, okay, God, is this dream I have? Is this your will for me? Um, even if you don't get an answer on that question right away, um, I would argue, and Mark Batterson writes in this book, that you should just keep praying over that dream. Even in, um, because over time, if you continue to pray over it, God will reveal for you in God's timing if that's God's will for you. So dream big and keep praying over those dreams and God will reveal in due time whether or not that's something that God wants you to pursue. So um, another, the second insight that I want to share was um, about how the Bible itself is a really amazing um, thing that can really help our prayer life because sometimes our prayer lives get challenged. Um, I know I face that. And uh, there is a couple of um, paragraphs here that I want to read. And one of these was just me exactly to a T. And that paragraph is this. One of the primary reasons we don't pray through uh, various circumstances is because we run out of things to say. Our lack of persistence is really a lack of conversation pieces. Like an awkward conversation, we don't know what to say. Or like a conversation on its last leg, we run out of things to talk about. That's when our prayers turn into a bunch of overused and misapplied cliches. So instead of praying hard about a big dream, we're left with small talk. Our prayers are as meaningless as a conversation about the weather. That sounded like me exactly. So when I was reading this, I was like, oh, did I secretly write this paragraph? And this guy's taking credit for it now. Uh, but no, Mark Patterson wrote this. Um, but oh, I just thought that that was me exactly like... I sometimes don't know what to say, and so it's just like, ugh, what, do I, what am I doing here? And so, like, when I'm making small talk with people, I say the most random, useless things that have nothing to do with anything. It is really hard for me to do small talk. I do not have that gift. My brother does. My brother can just small talk chat with anyone, and I'm always amazed at how he does that. He'll just be talking to random people on the train, and I'm like, how are you doing this? Um, but sometimes I feel like that with God. I don't know what to say, and so I end up just kind of saying nothing or just using a bunch of like obvious phrases like, oh, be with this, be with that, be with this, be with that, help this, and that's kind of it. So Mark Batterson suggests a solution, and he writes, pray through the Bible. 
Prayer was never meant to be a monologue. It was meant to be a dialogue. Think of Scripture as God's part of the script. Prayer is our part. Scripture is God's way of initiating a conversation. Prayer is our response. The paradigm shift happens when you realize the Bible wasn't meant to be read through. The Bible was meant to be prayed through. And if you pray through it, you'll never run out of things to say. The Bible is a promise book and a prayer book. And while reading is reactive, prayer is proactive. Reading is the way you get through the Bible. Prayer is the way the Bible gets through you. As you pray, the Holy Spirit will quicken certain promises to your spirit. It's very difficult to predict what and when and where and how, but over time, the promises of God will become your promises. That was just really, really incredible for me to read and just remember, okay, sometimes when I don't know what to say to God, I can pray through the Bible and kind of ask the questions that biblical writers asked, or um, sometimes the biblical writers express things that I don't know how to put into words. Uh, Recently, a friend of mine um, gave me a book that was uh, praying through the Psalms in 30 days. So it had all 150 Psalms broken up into prayers that also included like a call to worship, a call to prayer, um, confession of faith and confession of sin. Um, And so it broke it up in morning, midday, and evening segments and just helped you get through all 150 uh, psalms in 30 days. It was such a great thing to pray through the psalms like that. I'd never done anything like that. And it was such a spiritually refreshing and renewing thing to me. It was incredible how many times um, I was reading through a psalm and I was like, wow, this expresses something that I'm feeling right now in my real life. It was incredible. Um, And so it was just so refreshing to not have to feel like I have to come up with all the words. God was giving them to me and God was in dialogue with me as I was reading through the Psalms. So there's lots of different ways to pray through scripture. Um, You can search online for a variety of different ways. You can also just open up the Bible and start reading it aloud and saying, God, this is my prayer. And as you read, you respond to it and say, okay, God, I'm reading this and this makes me think this. This is the question that I have for you, God, about what I'm reading right now. Or, God, thank you for having this written down for me. Whatever the case may be, you can just pick up scripture and start reading through that and let that be your prayer. Another thing that I, I, another aspect of what Mark Batterson wrote was the idea of when you read scripture and see some of the promises of God, those can be some of the things that you pray through. So that's been something that kind of stuck with me after I read this. And one of the promises that God gives us that really has stuck with with me in the past uh, several months, really, is the idea that God wants to help us get to know him. Sometimes knowing God feels like this huge thing that is overwhelming. And in some way it is. Um, Knowing God is, is a big concept. But God is helping us to know him. 
that is just incredible. And that is something that I've kind of been praying through recently of like, thank you, God, for helping me <laughs> get to know you. It's, it's incredible that an all-powerful God would want that. Um, I think of some of the powerful, you know, political leaders of throughout history and how they don't want to be known. They want to be aloof and kind of separated from the people to maintain their power. God is the exact opposite. God is wanting to give himself to us. And I think that's incredible. Um, the last insight that I'll share, and again, there are so many wonderful insights in this book, um, but it comes from a um, discussion about, uh, he, he calls it a mana, mana miracle. Um, and I'm just going to read this segment through, and it kind of speaks for itself. Um, he writes about, he's writing about the mana miracle. So when the Israelites had escaped Egypt and they were out in the desert, God provided them miraculously with manna. It was a form of bread that they were then able to eat. And um, it just kind of appeared every single day. Um, at the end of the day, it went bad or went gone, but missing. And so God was like, I'm just going to feed you what you need for the day. The manna will appear. And that's your supply for just this day. And the people had to rely on God to do that every day. So here's what Mark Batterson writes about that. He says, here's my take on the manna miracle. The manna was a daily reminder of their daily dependence on God. God wanted to cultivate their daily dependence by providing for their needs on a daily basis. Nothing has changed. Isn't that the point of the Lord's Prayer? Give us today our daily bread. We want a one week or one month or one year supply of God's provision. But God wants us to drop to our knees every day in raw dependence on him. God knows that if he provided too much too soon, we'd lose our spiritual hunger. He knows we'd stop trusting in our provider and start trusting in the provision. One of our fundamental misunderstandings of spiritual maturity is thinking that it should result in self-sufficiency. It's the exact opposite. The goal isn't independence. The goal is codependence on God. Our desire for self-sufficiency is a subtle expression of our sinful nature. It's a desire to get to a place where we don't need God, don't need faith, and don't need to pray. We want God to provide more, so we need him less. That was really convicting for me, and I, I thought that was so interesting because um, in our lives, as we grow up, we, we talk about becoming more independent and self-sufficient adults and part of maturity is being able to um, provide for yourself uh, financially and to be able to pay your own bills and pay for your own housing and your own food and provide for your families and, and whatnot. Um, so much of what our, our growing up process is um, us becoming independent. Spiritually, it's the exact opposite. God always wants us to have a childlike faith and a childlike need for God. We need to be on our knees in prayer every single day, um, seeking out God and God's provision for us. That provision can be spiritual. That can provision can be uh, literal, physical, like, God, I need um, my food for today. That's a hard prayer for me to pray because 
I get a paycheck that enables me to buy a bunch of food at the grocery store and then I have food for a week. It's hard for me to reframe it as, God, I need you to keep giving me the ability and the health to be able to work and earn the paycheck with the skills that you have granted me. It's a really hard thing for us to do because we think that maturity is becoming independent, but spiritually it's becoming more and more childlike and realizing how much we need God on a daily basis. So those were just three quick insights that I found really helpful from this book. Um, again, there are many more. I strongly recommend that you read it. Um, it's really easy to read too. Mark, Mark has a really relatable writing style and um, it's very easy to go along with. Um, easy reading, but still challenging reading in that it challenges a lot of our ideas about prayer. Um, another thing that he talked about was the intentionality of our prayer lives and how it's really important for us to do things like um, maybe write down our prayers in something like a prayer journal. That can be a really helpful tool for um, helping us remind ourselves how often God answers prayer um, and it helps us look back on God's faithfulness in our lives. Um, as I was reading through that, I was kind of compelled to say, okay, what can I do to be more intentional about my prayer life? And the answer that God kind of led me to was buy a giant whiteboard. <laughs> so I went on Amazon and I bought a giant like three by four foot whiteboard on wheels, you know, that you might see in like a classroom. And I've organized one side of it into kind of four different sections of prayer. So I have a section of names of people that I need to be praying for in my life, um, a section of like upcoming events or um, just things that are upcoming that I need to be praying about. Another section of thing ways about how I need to grow. So like when I was talking earlier about um, God's promise to help us know him, I, I put that in that section. And then I have a fourth section of things that I just need to let go of and just constantly be needing to surrender to God. So that's a tool that I'm finding helpful. Um, it can look like anything for you. Um, but make use of whatever tools you have in your life to be intentional about your prayer life. And this book has more suggestions beyond that of ways that you can do that in tangible uh, ways to help you with your prayer life. So that's just some of the insight that I got from this book. I always like sharing different books with people because um, there's so much that we learn. So thank you again so much for listening. As always, if you have more ideas or more questions, please let me know. I'd be happy to dig into those. Thank you so much for watching or listening, and you have a wonderful and blessed day.